0: This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Good morning. It's Thursday, December the 1st. 2022 welcome to now with dave brown coming to you on ami tv i'm dave brown let's hit the horns and go coming up on the show today we'll have some breaking news about accessibility policy in british columbia there's a special announcement coming from the government, and the Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility, Dan Coulter, will rejoin the show and break that news to you first. Breaking news on now with Dave Brown doing it big. The Visual Interpreter Service IRA is introducing their new retail plans for 2023, which comes with some serious price changes, Stephen Scott will explore the issue behind the move and its effect on users. And the zero waste movement is having a sustainable influence on fine dining. Don Dickinson will tell you how in her preview of McLean's Magazine. But let's dental care benefit. Rob Westgate tells you all year, and it ranges from 260 to $650 per child, depending on net income.
1: A one-time rental supplement of $500 for low-income households that was also fast-tracked this fall will be available beginning December 12th. And a permanent update to the Canada Labor Code that requires the federally regulated private sector to provide
0: two weeks of paid sick leave to employees also takes effect today. Rob Westgate. The Canadian press. Of course, the other story that has occupied a whole lot of political oxygen in the last 48 hours is the Sovereignty Act that was introduced in Alberta. We shared some sound from Alberta Premier Daniel Smith yesterday. Let's get to some of the reaction around the Sovereignty Act. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says he's not looking for a fight with the Alberta government. Trudeau notes there are concerns about giving cabinets such broad powers. We're already seeing a number of Albertans expressing real concern uh, about the fact that the Alberta government is choosing to bypass uh, the legislature on a number of issues. Uh, These are things that obviously are going to play out over the coming weeks and months. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh thinks the federal government should prepare for a
2: legal battle. Let's see the government start taking steps to preemptively prepare a legal challenge. Uh, We just want to see some steps here and we know that the federal government has powers. They should start using those.
0: Eric Adams is a constitutional law expert at the University of Alberta. He expects the federal government to be tentative in any kind of legal challenge.
3: Alberta has courted a, a, a battle, and that, that rising to the bait is playing into the exact plans that, that, that Miss Smith has. And so perhaps better to um, let the legal process run its course.
0: Adams notes that next year's provincial election will be a factor in any kind of federal response. And of course, there's an economic side to this. Calgary Chamber of Commerce President Deborah Yudlin says the proposed sovereignty legislation could be damaging to business. Yudlin thinks the bill creates uncertainty which could scare away outside investors.
4: We compete around the world for capital and labour. And capital goes to where it can get the best return. And that means the efficiency of being able to invest that capital. We don't need any transactional friction. This will cause transactional friction, which will cause companies to rethink their investment plans.
0: Speaking of capital and returns, now I apologize here, I'm about to throw a bunch of numbers at you. Let's talk about some more economy stuff. Three more of Canada's big banks reported their latest quarterly earnings this morning. And let me tell you, The numbers are big, so bear with me. I know math in broadcasting is not always the easiest thing to follow along with, but bear with me, and maybe we can try to bottom line this at the back end. TD Bank reported a fourth-quarter profit of nearly $6.7 billion. That's up $3 billion year over year. BMO, they raised its dividend, and the reported fourth-quarter profits of $4.5 billion, up from $2.1 billion a year ago. So looking at uh, doubling in profits for BMO and TD. And CIBC reported its profit fell. It fell to nearly $1.2 billion from $1.44 billion a year ago. I don't know what CIBC is doing, but, you know, only making $1.2 billion last quarter. I mean, what's the point? Why even be a bank if you're only making $1.2 billion in the fourth quarter? Anyway, I, I suppose... That The underlying factor there is the banks are doing well, even as uh, economists – I'm putting the quotation marks up for that one. Economists are telling you how terrible the economy is. A lot of those economists working for these banks, by the way, raking in record profits. It's almost like raising interest rates. It's like really good for financial institutions. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to get us in trouble one day with uh, my freewheeling style. Uh, Speaking – Of the financial sector, maybe this deal is not quite as headline-grabbing as RBC's $13 billion purchase agreement of HSBC. But Desjardins just announced the purchase agreement of financial company Guardian for $750 million. Just a a mere $750. Uh, Bottom line, it's a good time to be a bank. I wish I was a bank. Let's get to our daily polls. At Accessible Media is where you find us on Twitter, at Accessible Media. Media Inc. is where you find us on Facebook. On Wednesday, we asked you, how do you get to work? 0% of you said you drove, so we know that Jeff Ryman didn't vote on the poll. Uh, 33% of you said public transit, 33% of you said walking, and uh, 34% of you said telecommuting. Let's get to today's daily poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Apple has announced its top apps of 2022. Sherry Preston has the
3: results. Apple's app of the year is called Be Real. Maybe you're one of the millions who have downloaded it already. It's a photo sharing app that's supposed to teach you to live in the moment. Every day at a random time, it'll notify you to stop what you're doing and to take a single picture and upload it to the site. Be Real is available for both iPhones and Android devices. Another favorite for 2022 is called Water Llama. It's supposed to help you set and meet hydration goals using character reminders and notifications. Sherry Preston, ABC News.
0: I'm not on the Be Real thing. My life is not nearly interesting enough to be on Be Real. I'd be too real for Be Real. No one wants to see me in my boxers playing video games whenever that notification comes through. If my life was more exciting. You know, if I was young again and attractive again, maybe I'd be on Be Real. But, but no more. Too old. Too old for that kind of stuff. Let's get to the poll at Accessible Media. On Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. What kind of app do you use most on your phone? Is it the social media? Is it the content streaming? Is it navigation? Or is it other? Now, obviously, you can go into your phone and actually see. It'll tell you what you use the most. So I'm not sure if Alex or Grace actually went through that step to see objectively what they do. But on a vibe check, I'll tell you I'm probably social media. But I'm content streaming oftentimes while I'm doom scrolling through social media. So it's a bit of a blend for me. And I know I do use a lot of navigation to get around, you know, legally blind guy over here. It's nice to be pointed in the right direction from time to time. But I would say social media is probably where I land the most in terms of active phone use. Alex Smythe, what say you? Yeah, so when it comes to my actual phone, I'm not
5: doing too, too much content streaming like I'm not going to be on Netflix or, or any of those major streaming sites. I'll I'll go on YouTube, uh, but that's just for because it's my phone. You know, I, I I'll use a tablet or I'll use you know uh, a stream another like TV connected streaming device. So I'm seeing it on a bigger picture. Uh, so in the context of this question, for what is specifically on my phone, I will have to say social media uh, and specifically. Not not as much like the Facebook, the Twitters and all that. I'm, I'm more on like the Reddit and the imager uh, side of things. You know, it's like less me putting things out there, but more just kind of consuming some of the content that other people are, are putting out there. I didn't go through the the finding out which app is used most especially since I, I just got a new phone and i've been still setting things up so it may be a bit skewed towards like settings and and things like that it's not uh, <laughs> not as helpful at this point how to connect my phone how to uh, get data back and transfer from another device yeah that's that's basically what currently on my my new phone is but uh, overall i'd say social media what kind of phone did you get I got an iPhone 13, Dave. Mm-hmm. I, I I braved the crowds on Black Friday. I had uh, let the the audience know I was planning on doing it. I was successful in in my mission to to get a new phone and. Got a great deal out of it. It just took about uh, four or five hours uh, waiting in line to, oh my to
0: make it happen. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I got it done. I'm disappointed you didn't shove anyone. Grace, let's bring yep. in Grace Schofield who's in the audio control room today. Grace, what about you? When it comes to using your apps on your phone, what kind do you find you use the most?
6: When I read the initial email with the Daily Poll in it, I was like, oh, I'm going to make fun of myself and say navigation because I get lost all the time. And then I thought, I should actually look at my phone and check. So
0: you did the thing. You yeah, went and did the yeah. objective thing. And
6: it really humbled me this morning. Um, I spent eight hours on TikTok this week.
0: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> laughing, by the way, because I spend a lot of time on the Facebook machine and the Facebook reels. So. It
6: really says something that I spent eight hours on TikTok, and I am in exam season. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that really says something to me. So I think that, like, definitely social media is my top um Phone usage app, that or streaming Spotify is always open if I'm not on TikTok apparently. Um, or oh, we'll, we'll talk
0: about Spotify in yes, about 20 yeah. minutes uh, with with Rumia and Alex as well.
6: Or I'm video calling my parents or friends or something. Those were the top two apps: the video calling apps and okay. TikTok.
0: Well, the video calling is kind of a nice one. Right? That means yeah. like you're reaching out to people, yeah. you're connecting with people in your life. That's nice. Yeah,
6: I think that one was good, but but the TikTok usage really made me think about setting another time limit on my app, but I know I'll just ignore that. I'll be like, no, give me 15 more minutes, and I'll click that 12 times.
0: So I'm not on the TikTok, but I use Facebook Reels, which is essentially the same thing. In fact, it it, it scrapes a lot of its content from TikTok. It is so easy to get lost in that rabbit hole because they really don't throw ads at you. And when they do, you can swipe through them yeah. real quick. And sometimes the ads are good. Sometimes I like watching ads because I'm a little bit of a weirdo like that. Uh, yeah, I on Sunday evening, I didn't work on Monday, so I oh, I've stayed up a little bit late and I'm watching stuff in bed. And I think I was swiping on reels for like two and a half hours straight.
6: That's what gets me. It's the before bed
0: Which is objectively terrible for us.
6: Yeah, but Facebook is good. Facebook I use for uh, Dr. Pimple Popper videos. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Those those are the best ones on Facebook, but uh, not too often, just yeah. occasionally. Yeah, I
0: feel you. I yeah. feel you. Okay, yeah. yeah. Social so social media seems to be one social of the big media, one of the big yeah. winners and yeah. the humbling thing this morning. Unfortunately. But we'll <laughs> talk about Spotify and their wrapped feature in a little bit later on the show. But for now we say goodbye to you, Grace. In the meantime, you should vote at accessible media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. And then as you do that, you can say, well, obviously I use social media more because I'm voting on these polls. Social media is not your thing. Send us an email, feedback at AMI.ca, feedback at AMI.ca, or give us a phone call, one 509 Let's go back to Alex Smythe. Alex has the national weather updates.
5: Here is your AMI national weather report from Environment Canada. Starting in St. John's, Newfoundland, it's mainly cloudy with wind gusts up to 80 kilometers per hour. And you guessed it, a wind warning is in effect due to that. The high is six today. In Halifax, Nova Scotia, there's heavy rain in the morning with up to 15 millimeters expected. The afternoon will be cloudy with a chance of rain or possible snow, depending on uh, what the temperature's like. And there's wind gusts up to 90 kilometers per hour there. The high is 9 degrees. In Montreal, Quebec, it's a mix of sun and clouds with scattered snow this morning. Wind gusts up to 70 kilometers per hour and a high of 1. Over to Ottawa, Ontario, it's mainly cloudy. A few snow flurries in the morning with up to 2 centimeters expected. High winds as well with up to 70 kilometers per hour uh, in wind gusts and the high is 0. Here in Toronto, Ontario... It's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow early this morning. Wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour, a high of three, but that's going to be feeling more like minus 10. Thunder Bay, Ontario. There's clouds rolling in today, increasing as the day goes on. The high is minus three, but feeling like minus 17. In Winnipeg, Manitoba, it's mainly cloudy. Wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour. The high is minus nine, but that's feeling like minus 27 in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. It's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow. The high is minus 18, feeling like minus 33 with the wind chill in Calgary, Alberta snow turning to a mix of sun and clouds near noon and into the afternoon. The high is minus 19, but feeling like minus 30. Edmonton, Alberta, it's a mix of sun and clouds and a chance of snow as well. The high is minus 20 with a wind chill of minus 28. And up in Yellowknife, Northwest Territories, often where we're getting the coldest temperatures this uh, this time of year, it's mainly cloudy with possible snow. The high is minus 27, which feels like minus 40. So very frigid up in Northwest Territories. Over to Vancouver, BC, it's been ugly ugly weather the past few days. Today, it's a, a bit better. It's a mix of sun and clouds, and it's clearing up in the afternoon. The high is zero, feeling like minus nine, but there is a special weather statement in effect due to cold temperatures tonight because there's going to be ice that is a concern in the area.
0: And more more and, snow expected. And Alex, we have to remember that minus nine for our friends in Vancouver, that might as well yep. be like a polar vortex.
5: Exactly. it's, It's rare, especially at this time of year, too, Dave. You know, we're dealing with a lot of cold temperatures. So it's going to be a similar situation over in Victoria, B.C. It's mainly cloudy, possible rain or snow this morning, then clearing. The high, again, is zero. And that special weather statement is also in effect due to the drop in temperatures tonight and possible ice in the area. So be careful when you're going out and about tonight over in B.C. That's your AMI National Weather Report. From Environment Canada.
0: Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, the zero waste movement is having a sustainable influence on fine dining. Don Dickinson will serve you up a preview of McLean's Magazine. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI TV. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. You can find the reading program, McLean's Magazine, airing throughout the week on AMI-audio, including Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Don Dickinson is the producer of that program and joins us now with a preview of a couple of the uh, really interesting articles from this week's edition. Hey, good morning, Don. Oh, do we have Don on mute or does Don have Don on mute? Talk to me one more time, Don. Oh, somebody has Dawn on mute. Why don't we do a quick reset here, guys, while we try to uh, reestablish our connection with Don? Why don't we go ahead oh. and. De- oh, there we go. Now we've got Don. Now we've got Don. Dawn, oh my
3: God! You lost me, Dave.
0: It's and and I was I was going to be lost in the wilderness forever without you, Don, because <laughs> I was going to have to talk about the zero waste uh, movement and fine dining by myself, and I would have been very confused because I didn't read the entire article just yet. But that is your first article. It's about the sustainable impact the zero waste movement is having in the food industry. So when somebody talks about sustainable dining. Because people throw around the world sustainable like it's like it's uh, like it's pennies. What do they mean by sustainable dining?
3: Well, a growing number of Canadian restaurants are subverting expectations about fine dining through the thrifty and ingenious use of ingredients that other kitchens might toss in the compost or garbage bin. Scraps. Now you have to go along with me here a bit, Dave. Scraps, peels, seeds uh, cores, leaves through creative reinvention. These are now, uh, being turned from trash into culinary treasures. Okay. <laughs> now this is a funny story in a sense, because we'll go into other points, but I, I actually read this to Frank and he said, well, why don't we just, uh, skip the whole uh, restaurant thing and just, uh, blend up the, uh, compost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like Anthony Bourdain once said, uh, it's not old fish. It's a new stew.
3: <laughs> yes. 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 Uh,
0: Don, what what's brought this trend forward?
3: Well, you know, as the world uh, and and restaurants in particular have faced some really harsh times during the pandemic, um, and there's been a, a great deal of pressure due to the climate crisis and skyrocketing inflation. Zero waste restaurants offer um, an intriguing uh, template for how the industry can adapt to all of this. Um, basically, zero waste aspires not to limit waste, but to um, uh, use it in terms where, uh, I mean, obviously they're being very cautious here. I mean, they're not blending up the compost. Let's be perfectly clear yeah, right. about yeah, that. Yeah, that you know? would not
0: be fine dining
3: yeah, but basically, they're taking a lot of ingredients that they would normally have tossed, you know, the heads and tails of various things and whatnot. and um, they're they're making food out of it. And <clears throat> restaurants are gaining recognition in this. Uh, the uh, very well respected Michelin Guide began awarding green stars in 2021 to recognize exceptional uh, sustainable restaurants.
0: Yeah, it, it, as, you, as you say, Don, this isn't necessarily a case of blending up the compost and say I, I would actually argue this is something that has occurred in a lot of home kitchens for a long, long time. I remember some dear family friends, Frank and Iris, used to ask us every year after Thanksgiving for our turkey bones because mm. Iris would make this incredible turkey soup just by using the carcass for the flavor. So this isn't yes. necessarily an uncommon practice in home in home kitchens and now it's making its way into more commercial kitchens
3: yeah. Uh, basically they're saying that the zero waste philosophy is good for a restaurants bottom line because it maximizes each individual ingredient. Um, if you're paying attention, uh, one chef says to the roots, um, if you're paying for the roots and the, uh, and the uh, of the carrots or the carrots, sorry, you should pay also attention to the roots and the tops. So basically the process requires considerable planning because of course they have to take care now that what they're throwing away. Right. And, uh, so it's yeah, it's a movement as you say that was very very common in households. I mean, I always did that. Whenever I was making a, a larger meal, I would always keep the bits and pieces and uh, and brew up a stock. And then you just freeze the stock and you have it for future use, right? Yeah. But now I guess with with the economy being what it is, uh, restaurants are going, hey, let's <laughs> uh, let's save some money here, and, you know.
0: And anybody who works in the business will tell you the margins in restaurants are razor razor thin so anything you can do to save a save a dollar here or there it uh, it, it makes a lot of sense Don I like that we're doing a very cultural based. Uh, preview today because the other one you've got here is talking about a new Leonard Cohen exhibit at the Ontario or the Art Gallery of Ontario. Got to get the branding right or else the art gallery people get very persnippity about that. Uh, (laughs) When we're talking about Leonard Cohen, Don, this is one of the great Canadian legends in songwriting and depending on who you talk to, singing. But what does this exhibit encompass?
3: Uh, Well, this month, the Art Gallery of Ontario, or the AGO, as we all know it, will launch Leonard Cohen, Everyone, Everybody Knows, a sprawling exhibition displaying more than 200 artifacts, books from Cohen's personal library, letters, home movies, musical instruments and drawings, and all kinds of uh, things from his life. Much of the material was retrieved from Los Angeles, where Cohen spent most of his final years and is now in the care of the Leonard Cohen Family Trust. Um, so it's going to be quite the exhibit. Oh, wow.
0: Any, any surprises expected?
3: Well, uh, yes, actually in life, Cohen bristled, believe it or not, at the labels that he was often saddled with, uh, the, (laughs) the grocer of despair, uh, the poet laureate of, (laughs) of pessimism. I love that one. That's great. That's great. pessimism. And he often said, and this is a direct quote, you get tired over the years hearing that you are, in fact, the champion of gloom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the AGO show actually uh, exposes a different side, or I shouldn't say a different, but another side of Cohen, He wasn't always uh, a cynical keeper of secrets, but a seeker of them. Mm. Um, Sorry, cynical keeper of answers, oh my gosh. But a seeker of them. Many of his journeys were spiritual and some literal. One of the exhibits... captures Cohen's 1973 pilgrimage to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. Another shows him gazing inwardly, meditating in California's um, San Gabriel Mountains. So basically it talks about him in a much broader sense, Dave, um, and and really, you know, very in-depth as to his personality and his aspirations.
0: Don, sometimes depending on where people live, they can be a little bit narrow about the perception of the great stars. In Montreal, Leonard Cohen is a legend. People would say that is the poet laureate of Canada. And I will oftentimes have this fight with people when they'll tell you, no, 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 that's Gordon Lightfoot. Or when Gord Downey of The Tragically Hip passed away a couple years ago, no, 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 it's Gord Downey of The Tragically Hip. And I would say that so oftentimes we're influenced on where we're from. Growing up in Quebec, The Tragically Hip didn't really mean anything. Leonard Cohen did. So... I, I asked this question understanding there's some trepidation here because maybe my own bias influences the question. But, Don, do you have a favorite Leonard Cohen song or a favorite Leonard Cohen memory? I've got a couple.
3: Oh, oh my gosh. There, There's just so many. But, you know, I, I mean, I, I, this is so typical, but I'm going to have to say hallelujah. Oh, uh, beautiful I song. I mean – Oh my God, you know, I've heard that song a million times and every time I hear it, it, it moves me. I, I, I cry. I, I just, there's something about that song that gets to me, right to my core.
0: I think that's a song that has had an opportunity to live on beyond just Leonard's version as well, which in in and of itself is a beautiful, stirring song. But we've had Rufus Wainwright do a cover of that song uh, just using a piano, which was prominently featured in Shrek, but has since been broadened out. We, of course, have the very, very famous Jeff Buckley version of Hallelujah on the slide guitar right before Jeff Buckley passed away that is just stunning, that's been uh, covered by artists like Ben Harper. So you've had covers of covers in terms of a hallelujah. It is just a stunningly, stunningly beautiful song. I've got one more for you though, Don, the song Chelsea Hotel about the alleged Mm. affair that Cohen had with Janis Joplin uh, while they were in rehab together. Brilliant, brilliant song that has also been covered a couple different times, including from people like Rufus Wainwright.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Dave. You know, and the thing, and the thing about Leonard is that, you know, unless you are listening to every single Syllable of those lyrics. Sometimes you don't get a lot of the stuff mm-hmm, that he says, mm-hmm. and then it can be years later. I I heard an interview the other day about his work, and someone said I'd never actually uh, I'd listened to Hallelujah, obviously, but I'd never actually sat and listened to every word of it. And they were just taken aback by mm-hmm, the lyrics, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it, he's one of those writers that you really have to listen.
0: Maybe there's a God above. And all I've ever learned from love is how to shoot at someone who outdrew you. Brilliant.
3: Oh, my God. Dave. Stuff.
0: Uh, You're Dawn, a poet. <laughs> I, well, I steal from the best. Don, thank you for this. Have a lovely weekend.
3: Thank you very much, Dave. Bye bye.
0: That's Don Dickinson, a producer of the reading program, McLean's Magazine, which you can find on AMI Audio Fridays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up next, Spotify unveiled their annual wrapped feature yesterday so we'll talk about that with Ramia and Alex and Grace but first here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minutes
4: Canada's main stock index gained almost 1% yesterday, while U.S. markets posted even stronger gains after the Fed chief said the central bank could soon start slowing its interest rate increases. Toronto's TSX index rose 175 points to close at 20,453. New York's Dow Jones average gained 737 points, or 2.2%, and the Nasdaq surged 484 points, or 4.4%. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikita K index gained 257 points, and our dollar is trading overseas this morning higher at 74.49 cents U.S. Shares have advanced in Asia after yesterday's rally on Wall Street that was spurred by the chair of the U.S. Federal Reserve's comments on easing the pace of interest rate hikes. While citing some signs that inflation is cooling, Jerome Powell stressed that the Fed will push rates higher than previously expected and keep them there for an extended period. From the Canadian press business
0: Desk. I'm Karen Rebo. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. We'll bring in Rumia, Alex, and Grace in just a moment, but let's set up the story before we do a roundtable chat. Spotify rolled out their wrapped feature yesterday. Alex Stone shares some broader highlights in tech trends,
5: Harry Styles, as it was, was the most streamed song on Spotify this year. Bad Bunny, meanwhile, was the most popular artist for the third year in a row. The Verge's Ariel Shapiro says that data comes from Spotify Wrapped, the company's year-end roundup of users' listening habits.
6: Over the past six years, has become an increasingly big. Uh, social media event and something that spotify has completely dominated the market on
5: the app also shows users their individual data including this year their music personality
6: i thought the music personality thing was really smart because people love being categorized it's why people are drawn to Zodiac signs or Hogwarts houses.
5: Apple Music's Replay and YouTube Music's Recap both came out earlier this week, but Shapiro says...
6: This is something that Spotify does uniquely well.
0: With tech trends, I'm Alex Stone, ABC News. It is something Spotify does extremely well. I was so excited when I got the notification was ready yesterday. Again, as they put out there, Spotify will tell you how many minutes you listen to music, how many minutes you listen to podcasts, your top-played songs, your top-played artists, your top-played genres, and your musical personality. So let's bring in Ramya Emuthan and with in Alex Smythe, and we'll also bring in Grace Scofield down the line as well in this conversation. Hey, good morning, Ramya. Good
7: morning, Dave.
0: And hello, Alex Hello, hello. So, guys, I don't know if you guys are Spotify users. I, I know I asked this question and I forget. I don't retain well. Ramya, are you a Spotify user?
7: Yes, I am. That's
0: my mainstream. Mainstreamer. Alex, what about you? Okay.
5: No, I, I, I'm, I'm one of the weird people who uses YouTube for all my streaming. I, I don't bother with Spotify because I don't want to pay money to, to get all the premium features. Fair,
0: fair enough. Although I'll tell you, I clearly got my money's worth based on some of my stats. And by the way, I know Grace uses it because we <laughs> talked about it before the show. So guys, here's some of the Dave Brown Spotify stats. And Rumi and Grace, I'll come to you guys as well to share some of yours here. Total amount of minutes listened to music last year hundred and fourteen thousand. by the way, if you do the math on that, that is seventy nine days' worth of listening to music for your boy, the old dB. over one hundred and sixty three genres. My top genre was rap, over six almost sorry, almost twelve hundred artists listened to throughout the course of the year. and Spotify described my musical style or my musical listening style as adventurer. Very curious, loving to discover new music. So I felt pretty good about that one. Rumiya, did you did you have a chance to look at your stats at all, or was the uh, Spotify Wrapped even accessible for people?
7: Yeah, the Spotify app is definitely quite accessible for screen reader users on the iPhone. That's my particular um, usage. I didn't look at my stat, stats, Dave, but I think that I'd fall under the adventure category too because I'm always telling... I have my uh, Spotify connected to my Google Home, right? And I'm always telling Google to play this or that or Surprise Me or, you know, um, lo-fi hip-hop music for dogs and stuff <laughs> <that>. so, <laughs> so it's definitely eclectic, but nowhere near the listening time you have. That's incredible. I,
0: I, I apparently have no life other than rolling up big fat doobies and listening to music in my spare time. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Grace, I want to bring you in here because you had a chance to look at some of your specific stats and one of the most popular artists would hardly surprise us.
6: So I'm sure that upon hearing that first Tech ter- Trends clip, everybody went, oh, Grace is on the board, obviously. It's Harry Styles. <laughs> um, I was in the top 0.5% of Harry Styles listeners this year, and I listened to Harry Styles specifically, for 4,232 minutes.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs>
6: Out of a listening time of 46,932 minutes. It's
0: like 10% of your listening was yes. Harry Styles. Yes,
6: exactly. Um, and I'm not ashamed of it. All of my top songs <laughs> were Harry Styles, except for one of them, which was unfortunately from the Twilight soundtrack. I don't understand how this <laughs> happened, but it did. Um, so Harry Styles definitely ruled my my Spotify Statistics this year.
0: I, sometimes we talk about these moments in our musical consumption to say, oh, you know, what's, a, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? An, an indulgence, a sort of maybe you're a little bit ashamed by your top song or what you listen to the most. And Obviously, Grace has no fear when it comes to hers. My top streamed song this year was that pop song Edamami. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one.
6: That's so fair, Dave. That song's incredible. <laughs> it's
0: like the song totally slaps. Apparently, I heard it for the first time on April the 28th and played it 17 times on April the 29th, according to these Spotify stats. So uh, sometimes I can get a little bit hooked on these things. Guilty pleasure is the terminology I was looking for there. And that was my number one streamed song of the year. Uh I find some of these genre names to be so funny. My second most listened to genre after rap was something called Stomp and Holler. Ramiya, you're a music fan. I didn't know that I didn't know there was anything called Stomp and Holler.
7: I don't know, but did they give you songs that fall under that category? No,
0: no. Uh, This (laughs) this is where where Spotify wrapped is uh, maybe like lacking a little bit, maybe lacking a little tiny bit here. Alex, I know you don't have the objective data in front of you, but what do you think your top listen to genre might be?
5: Oh, uh, 100% metal. I'm one of those weird guys who – who finds it relaxing to listen to people screaming and and uh, yelling uh, for 24 hours a day? So that would definitely be my my top genre. So if Spotify uh, would classify it, probably something like angry or or, or um, I think you should talk to somebody music. Uh, that would probably be the genre it would fall under.
0: So you get a lot of ads for uh, good help, a lot of good help ads yes. in your uh, in, <laughs> in between your podcasts. Uh, Ramya, what do you think your top genre would be? Again, you have. You haven't, you haven't jumped into the uh to the feature just yet but if you were to take a random guess what do you think your top genre would be
7: definitely afrobeat uh, my like throw on playlist at any given moment is afrobeat and whether that be you know letting the thing do its algorithm or um going into my playlist but abso- absolutely afrobeat i don't know though maybe there's some subcategory in afrobeat that i'm missing but um it's like 2000s playback i really love that nostalgic feeling but that's kind of a specific vibe for me but
0: overall afrobeat uh grace I, I i can't imagine that harry styles is its own genre although i'm sure it uh, should be. Although, although it, it should, should be, be. <laughs> uh, what did it say your top genre was
6: my top genre was pop obviously since i played as it was 205 <laughs> times this year and it only came out in april <laughs> But um, my fourth top genre was, in fact, Stomp and Holler. And I've had Stomp and Holler in my Spotify Wrapped for the past, like, five years. And every time I'm like, what classifies Stomp and Holler? Because I thought it would be the Lumineers, but they classify that as indie pop.
0: Yeah, so I got some weird stuff, too, like uh, New Americana. I'm like, yeah. what is what do you mean by New Americana? I don't know like what this means this is like neighborhoods in Toronto where every three blocks someone's like, no, 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 <laughs> this is my neighborhood. It's like, no, you live in right. North York. Like and- New
6: Americana is <laughs> like a Taylor Swift lyric or something. It's not a real <laughs> yeah. genre.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so we're having a lot of fun here. And I've clearly said, like, I love this feature. I was delighted when I got it. I've already favorited my the playlist it makes for you of your top songs of 2022. But this is clearly a big tech co- tech company tracking your data, Alex. If they do something this creative with our data, do you actually care? Well, I I think it's it's even the broader
5: and simpler question: Do I care that the tech company is tracking my data? I mean, we have to sign off on it every single time you sign up for an app or or you get a new device or this and that. You're being tracked whether you you like it or not. Tech companies are using your data to uh, To help fund the algorithms of what you see, what you consume, so when it comes to something like this, at least Spotify is trying to do something to give back. It's like, hey, look, we're we're tracking your data, but here's some fun information, some fun statistics. Like they create this whole little um, uh, kind of uh, just uh, event around like sharing this, and clearly it sparked a conversation. So I, I guess you know. If they're doing something right.
0: Yeah, social media was lit up yesterday with people sharing theirs. Again, that speaks to the to the effectiveness of this strategy. Ramya, as we grapple with tech companies holding and scraping and sharing our data, if they do something this creative with it, does it make it easier to digest?
7: Yeah, I definitely think so. And it beats hearing kind of like the negative data that uh, our phones collect, like oh, you know, you've been on the screen 17,000 hours this week. (laughs) Like, I don't want to hear that. (laughs) But I prefer to hear what my songs were, what my audiobooks were, how my listening habits are. Um, And then the pet playlists they create on Spotify. Like, Lizzie's made it in this conversation twice already. But I'm just saying, it's really fun, right? So, and interactive, as Alex pointed out. It's all over social media. I prefer to have this kind of information. I still think we're not super... Um, aware of how much data is actually being collected to put out this creative information. I feel like if we go down that road,
0: it's going to be mm, scary. Yeah, let me be clear. I do not want Tumblr to send me my Tumblr year in review. Let's just (laughs) keep that like in its own separate place. Grace, do we grapple? Do we reconcile with the amount of our data that's being tracked, even if it's tracked and provided to us in such a fun way like this?
6: I think that Spotify wrapped is like a really glossy way to track your data, like Rumi said, you, you don't know like exactly what they're tracking. You just know this like top level, mm-hmm. here's how many minutes you listen thing. But it is so much fun for me to go through my Wrapped every year, and it does make it a lot easier. And honestly, I think that if Spotify didn't have this, it would be much less of a fun platform to use. So I yeah. think that it, it's something that keeps users coming back as Spotify Wrapped because it's something exciting to look forward to every year. So I think that if it's presented to me in this way, I'm definitely a lot more okay with it.
0: Their algorithm is definitely good at at feeding this quantitative data, like taking this quantitative data and feeding it back to me. I just wish that reflected better in my Discover Weekly playlist they give me every week. Like if my number one genre is rap, I don't understand why I'm only getting one or two rap songs in my Discover Weekly playlist. I, they're, they're, you know, sometimes they, they talk about like a bias that, exi- like a racial bias that exists in algorithms, and I actually wonder if that might be a stunning example of it. Where like here's this guy who loves rap music, but our algorithm isn't feeding him rap music. I don't mean to do that dead fish on anybody's lap. So maybe I should just move on.
8: <laughs> I, I
6: love well, my they, discovered weekly, but I do get what you're saying. Cause there is sometimes yeah. like, it doesn't really reflect what I've listened to. Cause it takes the past weeks listening and then puts it in the next week's discover weekly. Mm-hmm. yeah, And it doesn't quite always reflect what I believe I've been listening to
0: in the past yeah. week. Yeah. There, it's, that's well put Alex. You wanted in on that. Yeah, well, cause you had mentioned too,
5: like they they kinda classify you as an adventure adventurous listener, so maybe does that tie in at all? That it's like, hey, this is someone who likes to listen to different artists, different types of of music even though it's like your preferred is rap maybe that's why they tie it in into the discover weekly is the fact that it's like okay let's expose this profile this type of listener to all sorts of different types of music
0: yeah i feel like they send me too much new americana and too much uh, stomp and holler <laughs> even though i don't know what stomp and holler is that's uh, how we get those stats up <laughs> that's how we get those stats up on stomp and holler it turns out big stomp and holler is a major influence in the algorithms out there uh rumya We are now saying goodbye to Alex and Grace, but we can't say goodbye to you just yet because you are the co-host of Kelly and Company, which comes our way at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. What is coming up on the show today?
7: Okay, we're talking to Fern Lullum. She's our bestie from the UK, and she's going to give us a story on John McFall, and this is a man with a disability, and she says that his dreams and ambitions are out of this world. And if you know uh, Fern, this is definitely a pun, and there's something coming out about space. So we're also talking to choreographer, uh, Tiana Tatiana Stefanova about an upcoming performance of the nutcracker. And this is one being held by Toronto international ballet theater. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, it's
0: not the holiday and- season without the nutcracker.
7: I know, I know. And this is the first time we brought it up on Kelly and Company, so, you know, many more times to come. <laughs> Plus, Michael Fair, he's reviewing a new game. Um, it's called Evidence 111, and this is where you can ch- play as Chief Inspector Alex Wells in a debut interactive audio game from a brand-new developer. He's got lots to say on it.
0: Very good. Rubia, thank you for this. Have a great day. Thank you for uh, jumping in on the show a little bit early today. Thank you, Dave. Coming up next... Community reporter Blaine Deicher will tell you all about the fourth annual Bushwalker Staff Holiday Market in Regina, Saskatchewan. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's head into the prairies to catch up with community reporter Blaine Deitcher in Regina, Saskatchewan. Hey, good morning, Blaine. Good morning. How are you today? Blaine, I'm well. Yesterday, Derek Lackey was telling me all about some Christmas light shows and holiday light shows in Winnipeg and Regina is not to be outdone by Winnipeg. How dare Winnipeg even try, Blaine? So, there's going to be some fun light shows coming to the Regina area. The light, the lights outdoor celebration. So what are locals going to experience at this one, Blaine?
9: Well, there's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, there's going to be ice sculpture, sculpting and uh, there's hot chocolate. And they've even got some coloring activities for some of the kids to do. They can download them and bring them with them or they can email them in if they will want to do it that way um but it's gonna be a great two hours of just getting together with the community
0: what about music is there gonna be music
9: there's i actually don't remember if there was i there was a huge list of stuff it's like there's yeah there's caroling um from different like local churches and choirs and stuff like that so they're gonna have the christmas carols and
0: yeah it's gonna be the village Are you going to make it out? Are you going to make it out there? What are you looking forward to?
9: I, I like to see this, the, uh, sculpting. I think it's so cool how they can do stuff with ice. It's, it's kind of nice. And then you see it and you're like, wow, you made that with, with blocks of ice and chiseling away. And it's really cool to see their craftsmanship. So I really enjoy that. And, and, uh, I'm sure the mayor is going to be there and, and I'm pretty sure, uh, some people from up north are gonna make a little visit. I'm, I'm pretty sure they nice. gotta, they gotta come check on us a little bit, you know. Well,
0: the reindeers have to get some uh, cardio in, and you know, in preparation, right. in preparation ahead They've of the bigger day later month. in the month, Dece- yeah. December the sixth at Regina City Hall. I'm uh, seeing here there's going to be horse, uh, horse-drawn wagon rides. I wonder if that's just for the kids, because I think if I popped on one of those wagons, they'd call it animal abuse. <laughs> Right? <laughs> December. De- I
9: don't know. It, it said family friendly. So I guess if you wanted to hop on, I mean, yeah.
0: Maybe, maybe if there's two horses uh, drawing maybe. the wagon, the, the, they, could start, they can start be schlepping the only me around. Rider, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, this one is uh, going to be again happening December the 6th at Regina City Hall for folks who uh, want to take part in that one. But Six Blaine. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. East to 8 p.m. local time. Uh, Blaine, yeah. let's not focus just on Regina City Hall because the Bushwalker staff holiday market is also coming yeah, down the pipeline is... on December the 11th. So what's cracking with this event?
9: Well, when I saw this one, all I thought is beer. <laughs> but there's lots of local craft. I guess all the people that work there, they're crafty in one way or another. And uh, they've got like a wind chime person coming back and, uh, uh, different crafters. And, uh, I'm, I'm assuming I haven't been to one yet. Um, just back and I just found it. I thought this is cool, but I'm going to assume there's going to be some craft beers. Maybe you can pick up, uh, a, a, uh, advent beer calendar, perhaps. I don't know. I haven't been to one. So I'm just looking forward to it because I like to support local breweries And, uh, it's, it's up my alley. So I, I, when I saw that, I thought, no way I gotta, I gotta talk about this because it sounds so cool. And old staff, if you've been there before, if you're watching or listening later on, on the podcast and you've been there and staff have left, they're bringing old staff back as well. So if you know people that work there, you might see them there.
0: Have you uh, tried their beer? Have you tried the uh, Bushwalker beer?
9: I have, yes, yeah. They've any, got a nice little restaurant there as well, and uh, yeah,
0: it's really good. Any any favorites, any favorites you want to shout out on air? I uh, I know I love to, you said you like to support the local businesses. I don't know if they make a particular lager or a stout or anything like that that you I want to give have, a little love if, to.
9: I, I almost have to like take a notebook and write my favorites because I like so many, and I'm always bad with with names of beers. I'll forget it.
0: Yeah, that's why you need the notes app. That's has got to use those phones right. for the for the old notes app there. Hey, uh, Blaine, just before I let you go, you uh, before the Great Cup, you mentioned you were going to be working at some of the events going on around the around the community. How'd the Great Cup it experience did, go in Regina?
9: It was well organized. I went down. My fiance and I we went down on the Saturday before for the Family Fun Zone just to check it out. And I, I I've never been, so I was like, well, I want to go, you know, see what the festival is like. And, uh, the, the one event that I actually spoke about the mega bounce, how run they had, um, once go, um, they had their obstacle courses. And so you could actually go. And I, I went and I did the obstacle course and in the run, their last obstacle is the jump and it's a three foot or six foot jump into a bag. And I did it, and uh, I almost missed, but I still did it. And yeah, uh, they, they, they had a lot of fun. It was, it was well organized because it was all in one big like building with different hallways, and then they had party rooms, which they used all the different uh, hockey rinks for the party rooms. You had to pay to get into those, so I didn't go there. But it was just really well organized. I was, I was. Ex- it was fun. Um, next year it's in Hamilton, so I'd like to go. Yeah. Um, and Grey Cup itself was was good. It, it was wasn't, good game. Uh, it was a good game. It wasn't cold
0: either. Yeah, not too cold, which is good for you guys who were working outside, and uh, for those of us who got to watch it in the warmth of our hotel room beds. uh, We had a we had a nice time too. Intense uh, finish there <laughs> between the Argos and the Blue Bombers. Hey, Blaine, that was... we got to get out of here, man. But thank you for this. We appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. That's Blaine Deitcher, community reporter in Regina, Saskatchewan. Again, those events that Blaine talked about, there are more details than we shared. Head over to the blog, ami.ca slash now to learn more, ami.ca slash now to learn more. Let's wrap up the hour with one more news story. Let's get to Volcano Watch 2022 Lava continues to flow from the Mauna Loa volcano in Hawaii. Chuck Sievertson has the latest. It's like a horror movie. It's a big, solid, creeping mass of rock.
8: Courtesy of the Mauna Loa volcano eruption on Hawaii's Big Island, Ken Han, Scientist, Hawaiian Volcano Observatory.
0: This is like 10 of the biggest dump trucks you can get every second dumping lava out,
8: right? Two lava flows and one looks headed for a roadway. This is
0: a very important thoroughfare.
8: They're watching the hot molten rock, which officials say is moving less than a mile an hour, and the road is three miles away. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News.
0: I'm telling you, lava, by its nature, concerns me, but volcanoes also fascinate me. I've wanted to go to Hawaii for a long, long time for a myriad of reasons, and one of the things I've always wanted to do is the volcano tours, and we had that big eruption. It was either in late 2018 or early 2019. We had this eruption going on now. I think I may have missed my window. Once the volcanoes start erupting and rumbling, That means the uh, tourism experience of Dave Brown potentially goes away. So maybe in a different life, I'll have an opportunity to explore some volcanoes. Although, while you have time, definitely research the notion of blue lava. There's some deep cavernous volcanoes in Indonesia where due to the presence of sulfur, the lava turns blue. Fascinating stuff. I think lava is red or gray, right? bright red or gray and ashy blue lava I'm telling you it's fascinating stuff they're bringing the music up which means Dave stop talking about lava and get to the regional news update in the next segment this is now with Dave Brown on AMI Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown coming to you on AMI-tv. I am indeed Dave Brown. It's Thursday, December the 1st, 2022. Coming up in the second hour of the show, there is a special announcement. Some breaking news about accessibility policy in British Columbia. Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility Dan Coulter will stop by the show and break the news for you. And you know the visual Interpreter Assistant Service, Ira. Well, they've got some new retail pricing plans rolling out in 2023. Stephen Scott is going to explore some of the issues in the in with the regional news update. Concerns in the B.C. government is reviewing whether it can improve where and when it deploys resources ahead of the next big snowfall in Metro Vancouver earlier this week on the side of the road. The storm forced the closure of the Alex Fraser Bridge, which is a key commuter artery. Another major snowstorm is forecast to hit the region tomorrow with cold and icy temperatures today. Let's head over to Ontario. We can get some findings from the Auditor General's annual report. Allison Jones has the story.
6: Auditor General Bonnie Lissick says in her report today that overall COVID-19 vaccine wastage in the province is 9%, or 3.4 million doses. She says about half of that could have been avoided with better forecasting of demand. She also identifies problems with the system for booking vaccine appointments as the province created its own portal, but about half of public health units are using their own. Lizzyk says since people could book multiple appointments, that led to about 227,000 no-shows in 2021, which likely contributed to vaccine wastage. Allison Jones, the Canadian Press, Toronto.
0: And let's head into Quebec, where Quebec Premier Francois Legault laid out priorities in a speech to the legislature yesterday. Emily Javesky has those highlights.
6: Francois Legault delivered his inaugural speech to the legislature today, almost two months after his Coalition Avenir Québec was re-elected with a large majority. He says the French language is the foundation of Quebec, and his objective is to stop what he calls the decline of the language, particularly in Montreal. Legault also boasts that Quebec emits significantly fewer greenhouse gas emissions per capita than the rest of the continent. He says the fight against climate change should not interfere with the mission to increase Quebec's wealth. Emily Jovasky, the Canadian Press.
0: And finally, we end up in the Atlantic provinces where the PEI government has launched a pilot program to help island homeowners upgrade their old heating systems to more efficient units. The residential home heating program will allow homeowners to borrow funds to buy and install equipment that is eligible for an energy efficiency rebate. Finance PEI will provide financing to a maximum of $30,000 per residential property over a 10-year period with no interest charged that's your look at what's going on in the colonies out in the regions let's bring in brock richardson for a sports chat Brock, I know you want to get to a para ice hockey update in just a moment here, but I just want to mention for the sake of transparency, because we're all about transparency here. Brock and I are not talking about the World Cup today. Canada is playing Morocco literally right now while we're talking on air. No point in trying to preview that game. It's happening as we speak. If you're watching it, you're already watching it. What we'll do in terms of Canada and the World Cup and the World Cup in general is we'll do a full debrief tomorrow about the Canadian team and the World Cup experience and maybe talk about a couple of the games that went by. I will say the 2 p.m. Eastern slate yesterday was everything. It was chalked up to be incredible stuff. But, yeah, if you're wondering why are Dave and Brock not talking about Morocco and Canada, it's because there's no point. It's already started. Brock, let's talk about the Para Ice Hockey uh, Championship going on right now. What is the update you want to share on this one?
2: And then on the repeat, it would look really weird because at five o'clock people would know the results, and we, yeah, would, then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we then we'd look even more silly if we if we talked about what's happened in the first five minutes. But I digress. Uh, the para ice hockey event. Um, what a bunch of uh, thrilling games uh, in both cases. Uh, the first one is uh, Czechia defeated Italy for their first ever victory at the uh, para hockey cup. By a score of three to two, and like I said, it was a thrilling, thrilling round robin game. Uh, The first um, three shots in the uh, game uh, combined ended up in the net, so uh, this was a very goal-heavy game in the early going of this game. Then we moved on uh, to the Canada versus U.S. uh, game, which also ended up three to two. Funny enough, uh, in over time, uh, interesting statistic. Who won? Who about, won? Who won? Uh, sorry, the the United States. I apologize. I was ahead of myself there. Um, the United States won 3-2. Um, interesting statistic on this one. Uh, Canada's captain, uh, Tyler McGregor, scored his 100th goal uh, with the uh, program. So wow. that was cool. This was a very uh, compelling game. I do have to walk back my comments yesterday and saying that Both teams played a very highly competitive game, giving it their all, um, and nobody seemed to be taking their foot off the gas pedal. However, this marks the 14th straight time, the 12th straight time that Canada has lost against the United States in the 14-year existence of the event. So, yeah.
0: Brock, let's turn our attention because we know we're going to keep covering this event and we'll have an update after the uh, the metal action over the weekend. But let's turn to the world of professional baseball. The offseason – is now officially in full swing with some reported signings going on, some trades going through. Well, the Toronto Blue Jays have hired Don Mattingly to be one of their bench coaches going into the season. So Brock, your reaction to the uh, former uh, first baseman of the New York Yankees and former Miami Marlins manager, Don Mattingly getting
2: hired by the Jays. My reaction is one of, of puzzled and maybe you can help me out with this puzzled reaction. I do I... Don't understand it. I, I, a lot of people I saw this on social media said, well, this is um, John Snyder's replacement if things go sideways. And I don't know if I agree with that. They gave John Snyder a three year deal. Don Manningly said yesterday, I'm here to join the team. I'm not here to do anything else but just enhance the staff, which is what you'd expect. But for me, I'm just puzzled by the acquisition. I think it would be great. One of the funniest comments I saw yesterday on uh, social media was, I hope that they put the same amount of effort into their team this year as they did stocking up the uh, coaching staff, which I kind of giggled at a little bit. But uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm a little puzzled. And it seems weird that a, uh, you know, a former manager would uh, come uh, right now and be a part of this staff. Your reaction? Are you puzzled or can you help me separate this level?
0: I'm not puzzled, but let me tell you, I'm a little bit worried. And Let me elaborate on this one. Don Mattingly, as when he was manager of the Marlins, was known as sort of an all-business kind of guy, really trying to take a lot of the fun out of the game. Didn't like his players having fun. Specifically, there were public clashes with their star player Jazz Chisholm throughout this year with Mattingly behind the bench. It was a problem. And the thing that we heard from some chorus of Blue Jays fans and analysts throughout the year was, gosh, this team is too immature. This team is having too much fun. We don't like it. Stop having fun and just focus on winning games. Well, it really seems like the hiring of Mattingly suggests that's the organizational approach. We are not here to have fun anymore. We're here just to win games. Even the trading of Teoscar Hernandez is seemingly an indication of we're not about fun with this team. We're about winning. Well, I tell you what, if you're an organization and you want to make those kinds of moves, then you better start doing that winning because if you take the fun away and you're not winning, now you're just a boring team. That doesn't win, and that's a huge problem.
2: Yeah, yeah. I never did think about it in that way. And I, again, I go back to what I said. I believe it was yesterday. The I, I, the the premise of sport is to have fun. Yes, I I will say though I do think that sometimes I agree that this team focuses more on its its um, shenanigans versus anything else we had uh, Ari Shapiro on uh, at the very end of the season uh, on the neutral zone, and he can't stand the home run jacket. And I, I, I don't know if I, if I feel a way about the home run jacket because every team does their little gimmicky thing when somebody hits a home run, and I, and that's okay. But I am hearing more and more that that this team is becoming harder and harder to watch on the little gimmicky things they do, and so maybe that is. Um, the, the the approach and if that is the case uh, then you better hope your team wins because as you say when you suck the fun out and you watch a losing team it, it can be uh, tough to watch.
0: And don't get me wrong I'll eat my crow slash in this case eat my blue jay if, uh, if indeed they go <laughs> and start winning some games next year and Mattingly ends up being part of that and professionalism is one of the things that puts this team over the edge but I'm uh, not all the way convinced because Don Mattingly let's be clear has... Oh, i have got to sneeze. Hold on. No, I don't have to sneeze. I, th- I do have to sneeze. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I turned my mic on, just so everyone could hear me do that sneeze. So it wasn't it wasn't an empty promise. Uh, one of the things about Mattingly is he has not had a lot of professional success as a manager. So that's one of the things too. You say, oh, we're bringing this guy as a bench coach for his professionalism. Well, he hasn't He hasn't done the winning that he purports, purports to have done. Okay, Brock, before I uh, sneeze again, let's get to our mm. next topic of conversation, a preview of Thursday Night Football, the New England Patriots playing host to the Buffalo Bills. Brock, this is a division rivalry, and the beautiful thing is because both these teams played last Thursday, it's sort of a regular week. It should be something resembling a regular football game tonight.
2: Yes, it should. Uh, this is a... Uh, bigger game, uh, in my opinion, if you are the Buffalo Bills, you need to keep the winning ways. Your next uh, three out of your next four games are against AFC uh, division, which you have been flat out not very good against your AFC this year. Uh, you need to be good in your AFC if you have hopes of uh, winning it. The uh, quarterback in Miami has, you know, turned his stuff around and, and oh, really play to a played tongue well. of
0: Ioloa number yes. one in QBR rating Q quarterback rating, throwing in the pocket, throwing out of the pocket on third down in the fourth quarter in overall QBR to a tongue of Ioloa gunning for the MVP this year for the Miami dolphins. But let's not talk about the Miami dolphins, Brock. Let's talk about the new England Patriots and the Buffalo bills.
2: Yes. The, the new, the new England Patriots can be that sort of team that, that, comes in and just kind of says, "Yeah, we're still here." And so, to me, I think uh, that Jones and uh, Bill Belichick and all their team is going to come out guns a blazing, and Josh Allen and, and company better kind of you know cross their cross their t's and dot their i's tonight if they want this to uh, to work out because it is a road game, and uh, yeah, it's primetime television, and we'll see. But it's going to be a very intriguing game. Nonetheless, historically, the Patriots do well against the Bills, even as the Bills have gone through this sur-
0: resurgence and the Patriots have taken a few steps back in the last years. There was the famous Monday night game last year where the Patriots just didn't throw the ball in the second half on a windy night and just played a very physical brand of football against the Buffalo Bills. It seems as though every transaction the Bills made in the offseason was to actually counteract that style of play with some of the players they've drafted and free agents that they've signed. But the Patriots, with some subpar play from their quarterback Mac Jones this year and some injuries across the team, may resort to that physical style tonight. Although it could be difficult because they're really relying on one running back, Ramondre Stevenson, to be the bell cow because Damian Harris, their their original starting running back, is not going to be available to them tonight. So this game has the perception of being a close game. I'm not quite sure Why? The Patriots are, uh, the, the Bills are favored by three and a half points as a road team on what is not a short week. I'm not so convinced I understand that line other than the fact that Bill Belichick tends to play well against the Buffalo Bills. But oh, I, I this kind of feels like a real opportunity for a statement game for this Bills offense against a Patriots team who's good at beating bad teams, not so good at beating good teams.
2: The. the- the trouble about the Buffalo Bills, though, Dave, is that like we look at the game against Detroit last Thursday and everybody I kept seeing everybody say, oh, it's going to be a landslide against Detroit. And, and it wasn't. And this is the problem with Buffalo is they play. And I'm not saying that that, you know, uh, New England is a team that that is terrible, but they play down to their opponent, Where whereas they can go out and be like gangbusters against Kansas City and then just poop the bet against other teams you go huh how come this took place so the inconsistencies of Josh Allen and maybe that's partially age I don't know what it is but every week I'm sitting there going what am I going to get this week because I, I I don't know as a, a as a Bills fan what I'm going to get and the Patriots live to beat the Buffalo Bills they sure like do. Montreal and Toronto in hockey that's the same kind of rivalry
0: Brock, we got to get out of here, but enjoy the soccer as it plays out the rest of the day. Enjoy the football tonight or enjoy the football this afternoon and the football tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. We will. That is Brock Richardson. He is at the AMI Sports Desk and the host of The Neutral Zone. Alex Smythe is at the AMI Weather Desk. AMI
5: National Weather Report from Environment Canada. We're going to be Uh, Starting in the east where it's a lot of wind and then we move our way west where it's very frigid cold. So starting in Corner Brook, Newfoundland, it's cloudy with rain beginning near noon and up to 10 millimetres of rain is expected. Wind gusts up to 80 kilometres per hour and a wind warning is in effect due to those high winds. The high is 7. Over to Charlottetown, PEI, there's rain ending late this morning and then it will be cloudy and possible rain or snow in the afternoon and up to 20 millimeters is expected. There's also wind gusts up to 90 kilometers per hour in some areas, so be careful there. Obviously, a wind warning is in effect for Charlottetown and the high is nine degrees. Over to St. John, New Brunswick, heavier rains in the morning, then cloudy, impossible snow this afternoon with up to 10 millimeters expected in the morning. Wind gusts up to 80 kilometers per hour and the high is four. To Quebec City, Quebec, it's snow today and wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour with a high of zero. Here in Toronto, it's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow early this morning with wind gusts up to 50 km per hour, a high of three, but feeling like minus 10. In Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, there's snow flurries off and on today and possible snow squalls and blowing snow this morning. Wind gusts up to 70 kilometers per hour and the high is negative one. To Brandon, Manitoba, it's cloudy with the chance of light snow, wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour, a high of minus nine, but feeling more like minus 28. To Regina, Saskatchewan, snow today with up to four centimeters falling, wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour, a snowfall warning is in effect as snow is expected to continue overnight and into tomorrow, The high is negative 11, but that's feeling more like negative 24. To Leftbridge, Alberta, snow off and on with up to four centimeters expected. The high is only minus 19 and it's going to be feeling like minus 30. The trend continues as we move to Red Deer, Alberta, where it's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow in the morning, but then clearing up later. The high is minus 22, but it's feeling like minus 34 up in whitehorse yukon four centimeters of snow is expected to fall today with wind gusts up to 50 kilometers per hour the high negative 17 and it's feeling like negative 31. in kelowna bc clouds clearing out for sunshine a high of negative 10 but with that wind chill it's feeling like minus 20. and finally in vancouver bc it's a mix of sun and clouds and clearing up in the afternoon The high is zero, but it's feeling like negative nine. And a special weather statement is in effect for tonight with those falling temperatures and fears over ice in the area. That's our AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada.
0: Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, we'll talk about some changes going on at Ira, they're introducing a retail plan for 2023, but this could impact users of the service. So Stephen Scott will be here to talk about those changes and some of those impacts. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's talk about Ira. You are likely familiar with the service they offer, connecting you with people who can be your eyes via your cell phone or other camera technology. They've risen in popularity as a lot of folks from the blind and low vision community use them. They've also signed all kinds of corporate partnerships over the years to be available in particular stores, airports, etc., Well, there are some price changes coming down the pipeline and following some of the retail plans in 2023. So Stephen Scott is here to talk about some of those changes. Hey, good morning, Stephen.
8: Good morning, Dave. How are you?
0: I'm well. So I know you guys are going to delve deep into this on Double Tap Daily on AMI-audio later today. But what are some of these changes coming down the pipeline to IRA?
8: So uh, first off, just to say we're actually covering this on tomorrow's show, just to be totally clear. Okay, very good. That's one more strike um,
0: against Paul Daniel.
8: Not at all. One more and uh, I throw him out. That sounds like it's a plan. I don't want to get into this. But look, you know what? We are covering it tomorrow. We're hoping to plan uh, to do it today, but uh, unfortunately, just due to timing, it's uh, going to be on tomorrow's show. And it's given us a chance to really delve into the detail here a bit more as to what's actually going on. So there are a number of things going on here. One is uh, in regards to the free five minute plan, which is where someone who is called a guest explorer, someone who is not on a subscription, can call up once a day to make a free five minute call. And that's the first part that's changing. The second part is that anyone who's on a subscription can make a free call for five minutes at the beginning of their call. So they don't actually have to use the minutes right away. So you'll pay per month for a number of minutes, be it 30 minutes or 90 minutes or however many. And you don't have to necessarily use all those minutes because those first five are free. That's also changing. And the third thing that's changing, as you've just mentioned, are the retail plans themselves. They're changing for new subscribers from January next year. But let, let's start off with the immediate part. Yeah. So from uh, yeah Monday, un-
0: like unpack that a little bit, Stephen, because we just took okay. a lot of numbers and jingo and lingo and mm. people break that down for me. Unpack that for me.
8: So what we've got here, let's start with a free plan first. So the free plan is someone who can download the app. Any of us can download the app, We can call an IRA agent for free for five minutes, up to five minutes, and that call is free. Now, that is only available every 24 hours. So let's say you make a call at 10 a.m. You wouldn't be able to make another free five-minute call until tomorrow at 10 a.m. That's the first part that's changing, okay? So as of Monday, you won't be able to make a free five-minute call for another 48 hours. So you call on Monday at 10 a.m., you have to wait till Wednesday at 10 a.m. before you can make another free five-minute call. IRA are saying it's just costing so much money, and they're actually funding two out of every three calls that, that are being made. These agents are paid. These are not volunteers. This is a company that's trying to grow, right? and they're saying it's time to to really start thinking about the – the income here and how we are essentially, you know, giving people a service, especially those people who are paying for a service, who are maybe being held up and not being able to get through because other people who are not paying are getting in first. And that's causing a bit of controversy in the community.
0: So let's talk about some of that community reaction. I I, I think that that's probably the the biggest component here, because this Mm. is a service that already has grown and taken a strong root inside the community. What has some of the initial reaction been?
8: Well, initially, I, I think a lot of people felt that the free five-minute plan aspect of this, because, you know, prices is going up. Look, on the retail plans, price is going up. That's kind of to be expected. I think we're expecting that across the board. All businesses are putting their prices up at the moment, so that's nothing new. But for people who are on the free plans, they are going to lose out here because they're not going to be able to make those five-minute calls as regularly, although it is only one every 24 hours. Some might argue that's not a lot. I've argued on the show, and I'll be talking to the guys from Iron on this tomorrow. Troy Attilio, the CEO. Janine Stanley is going to be joining me from the company as well on the show tomorrow with Sean to really kind of dig into, you know, look, frankly, if you're going to make a service so limiting, Is it even worth having it at all? Mm. And actually, are there better ways to do this? Could it be like a pay-as-you-go, where you pay for every five minutes you're on the call? Like premium rate numbers, right? You can call up and you're you're charged every minute of the call. So I think there's other ways to do this, potentially. And I'll be interested to hear what Ira have to say on that. So I think that's going to be the biggest uh, controversy, although initial reaction I've seen has been quite supportive. They're saying, look, this is a business trying to make money. It cannot be done for nothing and people can't be paid out of nothing. Yeah. So that's that's the initial reaction I'm seeing.
0: So so yeah, so we've sort of discussed the free side of this that that now mm. it's going to be 5 minutes every 48 hours. What about some of those paid subscriptions for like what we'll call the more hardcore users?
8: Okay, so first up you have the free 5 minutes, which I didn't really understand when I became a subscriber because I thought, hang on, I'm paying for minutes but I'm not getting to use them because I've got these free five minutes. That's also changing as well. So right now you can call up every four hours and every time you call in in, uh, every four hours, your first five minutes are free. That's moving to every 12 hours. Uh, it's a bit confusing in some ways and you know yeah. for people who like me are <laughs> paying for n- this
0: numbers numbers and broadcasting never necessarily go so well together <laughs> no
8: but but it's but it's important to note that essentially once a day or once every well twice a day actually you can make a call and the essentially 10 minutes of that call are free uh which is interesting because i didn't know that as a subscriber um But that, again, kind of leads into the question of, well, why is that free? Because I'm paying for it. I'm paying for minutes. I'm happy to use them. So what happens to all these unused minutes at the end of a month? If we're struggling to have have people use the service who can't afford it, could they benefit perhaps from those unused minutes? I think there's lots of questions here about what they're, they're trying to do. And then, of course, on the retail plans, what I can tell you is that there are no actual numbers yet. But what we have been told is that the prices are going up and they are going to be steep rises in the subscriptions for the IRA service. So, you know, clearly they're trying to find ways to make more money. I don't think they're getting the level of corporate partnerships that they were perhaps hoping would pay for a lot of the services they provide.
0: Well, those are some of the dominoes that were falling. I remember especially – early last year early 2021 throughout that year mm. we saw major airports partnering with ira major stores retailers partnering with ira and it seems like that news has dried up a little bit
8: yeah and that's the problem and of course a lot of people have invested a lot of time a lot of money as well into the service you know personally for example with envision glasses you know people yes. have bought the glasses yes Now, of course, Envision Glasses do a lot of other things, as we've talked about here. They do lots of things. But, of course, one reason a lot of people were interested in them was because it had the IRA functionality. Now... That's not to say that you couldn't use the Envision ally feature on there, which is similar in that you would choose people who are your allies, like your fauna friends on on, who wants to be a millionaire. uh, You know, who's going to help me sort the socks today? And, uh, you know, you can call them up and be an ally and you can be on that call as much as you like. And it doesn't really cost you anything other than the data connection. So that's something. And also, let's not forget Be My Eyes. Be My Eyes is a fantastic volunteer-led service. So if you are struggling with IRA, if you think, I just can't afford to get on the plans, then you might want to think about something like Be My Eyes and using that instead. Although, I always say this, be very careful about what you're showing them. Don't ask them to read your bank statements or, you know, check out personal information because they are volunteers. Right. And as much as Be My Eyes do their best – they can't be certain of every single person you are contacting. Essentially, it's like calling a stranger. So treat it in that way. But th- at least there's an alternative out there, and you still get that free five-minute call, which for some people might be just enough. In a in a in a bind, in a situation where you just really need a pair of eyes you can trust, mm-hmm. it might be the service to go to. And I think that's kind of what Ira. are are pitching this at the moment.
0: Yeah, there's always a nefarious Dave Brown out there who's uh, looking to swoop on opportunity. Mm. you got to be careful with these volunteers like uh, like Dave Brown. Uh, Stephen, as I broaden this out a little bit, this is not necessarily uncommon in the tech world where prices will be kept artificially low to get people's feet in the door. Uh, For example, in the early days of Uber, oftentimes uber was eating five to seven dollars of every ride for the sake of getting users into the into the in into the app same thing with uh, food delivery services that for a long time there were low service fees or no service fees and next thing you know boom those are getting jacked up once you get to a critical service base I mean we don't need to look much further than streaming and entertainment right how often those bills go up on a month-to-month basis or six month to month basis so this is not necessarily an uncommon practice in the tech world to say we are going to make it as appealing as possible for you to walk in the front door but as our business grows or we do need to grow our business, especially in eras of higher in, in eras of higher interest rates that sometimes is going to trickle back at the consumer that said, I think that some people just find it a little harder to digest when it's an accessibility service.
8: Yeah, but it's the same across the board, as you say. And, you know, we've just heard that Amazon are going to be laying off roughly 10,000 yeah, staff. Yeah. They're saying that the Amazon Echo has really been, you know, in, in terms of a device, a success, but in terms of a service, a complete failure. It has lost up to $3 billion this year, potentially, uh, and $5 billion the year before. This is not making money. And, you know, we're starting to see this across the tech industry this year in particular. We've seen the wheels start to come off in some big ways. You know, Apple are on a hiring freeze. You know, Amazon are getting rid of people. Facebook have got rid of 11,000 people. Twitter laying people off. And, of course, everyone can look at Elon Musk and what's going on there. But there are deeper problems at these companies. They have a lot of staff. They have a lot of outgoings. And they don't have much in the way of income. And it seems odd because you think, well, hang on a minute. During the pandemic, we were all buying from Amazon. We were all buying stuff. How do they not make money? But you know, it, it's much deeper and it's much more complex than that. And I, I think that we're starting to see this really impact, and it will always impact on companies that sell niche products most. Yeah. And we're starting to see that, and and you know, it's a question of whether you want to support that. I've put forward some ideas on the show this week. I think as a community, if we want the service to survive, those of us who can should. And, you know, if there was a way we could pay it forward for someone or, you know, there was a way we could essentially invest our unused minutes, like air miles, right, right that people could benefit from that. I'd be up for that. I'd say, do you know, what? I'm paying for a plan that gives me 200 minutes if I don't use all of them. If there's 30 left, give it to someone else. That's right. You know, so there's ways to do this. And I think that's where the community is good. You know, it's difficult with something like Amazon or Apple, huge companies with a huge user base. But with a, you know, especially in our, in our case, in a blind community, it's not as much of not as many of us. So yeah. we could potentially get together and actually sort this out, you know, for ourselves and for other people, and help each other out. This maybe to me,
0: this is this is like awesome. I, this is Stephen Scott <laughs> Consulting. This beats out Dave <laughs> Brown Consulting. Nope, no, nobody comes to us for economic advice here, economic analysis on the show because we're just a but, bunch of amateurs. Well, that's. Yeah, a, <laughs> just, yeah. But I, I will say, I will say, if I can sort of just tap dance on this for a second that really this era of tech growth started in earnest in the mid-2000s but really, really blew up around the economic collapse of 2008. Like that's when we saw the major fangs, the Twitters and the Facebooks and the Amazons and the Netflixes. That's around the time they started to explode. And it was in the economic collapse of 2008 when we've had historically low interest rates for like 14 years. And that changes the way – that people perceive business that people can speculate when interest levels are interest rates are low because people can borrow money at almost no consequence it's easy for venture capitalists it's easy for other individuals to borrow money as soon as you start looking at interest rates Essentially tripling, quadrupling over the course of the last couple of years, or really the last year, all of a sudden your less than profitable or barely profitable business becomes a serious situation because the capital dries up. When people talk about a recession, oftentimes it is man made because we decide to put ourselves into a recession.
8: Yeah, and you can go further than that as well, because if you look at companies, the way they're laid out, the way they're built is to grow every single year. Yes. So, you know, this is why you end up with a situation where there's a new iPhone every year. There doesn't need to be one. But because the company needs to make money every single year and needs to grow its earnings every single year to satisfy the shareholders, this is how you end up in this mess. You know, if you had a situation where, you know, there are other ways to run businesses, right? And of course, everyone wants to make money and I get it. And I'm not against people making money, but surely to God, there's a limit somewhere. And, you know, it doesn't seem to me that even though everyone's making money, it's actually transpiring into anything particularly positive. I mean, if, if, if that was the case then, you know, Jeff Bezos can make all his money, but Amazon would still be able to run the ecosystem, right? And it would right, still be okay. Right. There are people writing into our show now who are terrified that this thing goes away because it has such impact on their lives. Mm-hmm. This is more than just a gadget to disable people. Yeah. So, you know, when, when we see headlines like, you know, oh, well, maybe this is it, it's finished, that's, that terrifies people. And and that's the problem, you know? We really, we're in a very precarious position this year. and it's, I did not think we'd be in this place no, I didn't think I'd be talking like this in November of this year. Yeah, yeah. Or, where are we, December? Whatever Into we are. December. Time is Whatever a flat circle.
0: Time is a flat yeah. circle. No, it, it, it's been a wild year, Stephen. A wild, wild year. Yeah. Stephen, we're flattered at a time today, but you have yourself a great day, a great show. I look forward to hearing the Ira conversation on tomorrow's edition of Double Tap Daily. All the best to you, and we'll talk to you soon.
8: Thanks, Steve. Take care.
0: That's Stephen Scott. He's one of the hosts of Double Tap Daily, which you can find weekdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern on AMI-audio. I want to remind you, today, Thursday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern time on The Pulse, Gupta will be chatting with Marsha Yale, the National President of the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians, and my old friend, Kenan Weller co-founder of Live, Work, Play. Together, they're going to preview the sixth annual International Day of Persons with Disabilities Conference, scheduled for December the 3rd. So that's today, Thursday, 11.30 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio, and then available in podcast and on YouTube. Coming up next, we've got a special announcement about accessibility policy in the province of British Columbia. Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility, Dan Coulter, will return to share that announcement. Breaking some news! on Now with Dave Brown on AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. This weekend marks the International Day of Persons with Disabilities, and the British Columbia government has some accessibility announcements to share. Let's break some news with Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility in BC, Dan Coulter, who returns to the show. Secretary Coulter, thank you so much for making some time for us today. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Dave. So, even though the third is on the weekend... You just couldn't wait to share some announcements and you wanted to join us for it. So the first one has to do with some new accessibility standards. What do you want to share about this? Oh, yes. Yeah. So um, we
1: are starting to develop accessibility standards for our Accessible uh, BC Act, which I've talked uh, to you about uh, before on this uh, on this show. But we've uh, now appointed two 15-person um, technical committees to begin work on the standards um, so the, the two standards that we're developing is, uh, going to be around employment and, um, service delivery. And so those, uh, uh, those, um, committees will start their work very shortly here.
0: I know we'd potentially be here all day if we started naming all 30 people, but can you give us a sense of some of the folks who may be included here or some of the areas of expertise they're going to be bringing to the table?
1: yeah well i guess i guess i'll i'll maybe hone in on one person anyway um so we in our accessible employment committee we have you know folks who work in the field of uh finding work and um, making uh in, you know job opportunities accessible for folks with disabilities and so i know the chair of our um our technical committee on employment uh she works in that field and, uh, works for a group called open door group. And, uh, they are dedicated to, uh, to accessible employment. And so she's, she's an expert in that field.
0: How is this, how are these standards going to be part of the bigger journey since the accessibility acts were passed? I believe it was last year in British Columbia. How will these committees end up helping, helping the government's frame policy moving forward? Yeah, so um, I, I guess
1: overarching, we've talked about the legislation before, but the legislation is really um, um like enabling legislation. So it gives government the authority <clears throat> to be able to develop standards um, in areas uh, to make British Columbia a more accessible province for folks and hopefully the most accessible province in, in Canada when we're done. But each standard takes about two years to develop. Uh, that's what other jurisdictions have found. We are um, going to do two um, two standards in conjunction with each other. After the technical committee's develop these standards, it will go to our Provincial Accessibility Committee for them to look look at, and then eventually on to the uh, Minister of Social Development and Poverty Reduction, who will sign off on them, and then they will be, become regulations within our law.
0: Secretary Coulter, I know that it's a busy weekend for uh, for you and your colleagues as they're going to be marking the day and probably events and activities all across the province. And I know there's some more coming down the pipeline here, some of which uh, may not be able to be talked about today. But any kind of sneak peek or snippet you want to give us here about some of their announcements to expect in the next day or two?
1: Yeah, so uh, we're providing a grant, uh, $2.5 million grant to the Canadian National Institute of the blind to expand their employment program dedicated to blind or partially sighted people. Um, the program expansion, it will also address systemic barriers to meaningful employment for uh, youth and Indigenous people with sight loss. <clears throat> We're also funding 12 uh, community accessibility pro- projects around uh, BC. This is the fifth year uh, we've done this with Disability Alliance BC. Um, to provide uh, funding for organizations uh, to make, you know, to make their uh, projects and uh, their organizations more uh, accessible.
0: Secretary Culture, we know that uh, days like December the 3rd end up creating these interesting, uh, I call them sort of uh, centerpieces or goalposts to say, these are great days to roll this out. I'm curious how you you and your colleagues are uh, are looking forward to marking the day on December the 3rd.
1: Well, yeah, so um, I have no specific I have no specific events to mark the day, but I will be mar- I you know, I'm doing more interviews uh, to tell people about the work that we're doing here in British Columbia as well as uh, these grants that we're providing. And uh, yeah, we just want to make sure that um, we are making uh, British Columbia a more accessible province. And having a day like uh, like December 3rd is a great. A way to bring awareness um, to the to the work that we're doing.
0: Yeah, it, it's, I, I was I was struggling for the word there. I'm thinking maybe mile marker might have been the uh, might have been the right expression there. Of course, we're in Canada, though we should call it a kilometer marker to make sure that we're uh, we're getting things <laughs> totally correct. Uh, Secretary Coulter, any place in particular uh, people should be directing their attention uh, to learn more about these announcements and the Accessible BC Act as uh, they come down the pipeline?
1: Yeah, so you can visit our uh, our uh, website. Um, I don't know the exact address, but it'll be on the BC government website, and it's probably something like bc.gov or forward slash accessibility or something, Um, but you can definitely navigate there through our uh, bc.gov website.
0: And we'll make sure to post the uh, direct link as well on our blog after the show as well. ami.ca/slash now, ami.ca/slash now. Hey, Parliamentary thank Secretary you. Coulter, we're so grateful. I mean, that's, I think this is the second time you and I have spoken in the last four weeks. It's always great staying in touch. Thank you for letting us know about these big announcements. And uh, best best of luck to you and your colleagues here, and all the best over the holiday season. Awesome, YouTube, uh, Dave, and thank you very much for having me. That's Parliamentary Accessibility. Uh, Parliamentary Secretary for Accessibility in British Columbia, Dan Coulter, telling you about some accessibility announcements in British Columbia. And again, ami.ca slash now to uh, learn a little bit more and get some of those uh, direct links about the announcements. Coming up next, we stay in British Columbia because the B.C. government has, has decided to scrap the plan, scrap, to scrap their plan to eliminate funding for children with autism. Sylvie Fiquets will fill you in on that story. This is Now with Dave Brown. On AMI. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. We've talked about it a couple times on the show today. Uh, British Columbia has been given a little dose of winter here. Pretty significant dose of winter in the last couple of days. But Sylvie Fiquette has soldiered on to to pop by for a regional report as a content development specialist for AMI in Pacific Canada. Hey, good morning, Sylvie.
10: Good morning, Dave. It is chilly out here.
0: <laughs> when it When it's going to be minus 9 or minus 10 with the wind chill in Vancouver, people, uh, people take notice. And I, I shared it at the top of the hour, Sylvie, about the closure of the Alex Fraser Bridge on Tuesday. I don't think people who don't live in Vancouver quite understand what a major artery that is.
10: Yeah, when a bridge is shut down here, we're in massive trouble. It's the only way we can get around all of the water that we have. So, yeah, that was hugely crazy. People were stuck in traffic for, you know, overnight. It was terrible. Abandoned
0: their vehicles. Some folks just picked up and left and said, no, I'll walk
10: and people were running around bringing coffee and treats and things for like neighbor like people in the community were yeah. trying to take care of each other so it was very nice to see that
0: Well Sylvie lots of water around Vancouver of the ocean variety but let's talk about a new accessible pool in Prince George BC the community recently introduced an accessible pool for people with disabilities let's start with the facility itself what is the facility
10: Yes, well this is really, really stunning, Dave. Maybe not a new kid in town, but a new pool for sure. The largest community in Northern BC, Prince George, can now take a bow for their newly opened Can4 Leisure Pool. At the price tag of $39 million, it's stunningly gorgeous. Nothing short really of state-of-the-art construction when it comes to accessibility features and services for those living with disabilities in the region. A 2016 Aquatic Needs Assessment Report conducted on the 50-year-old Community Four Seasons Pool in downtown Prince George cited numerous accessibility and safety shortcomings. So, the bottom line, That pool had to go, and Mm -hmm. here they have a new one now.
0: So what are some of these accessibility highlights?
10: Yeah, one of the most notable accessibility features in the new building is the inclusion of pool pods that assist people when they're getting into and out of the water. Think of it as a water elevator. Oh, I could use that. It's amazing. Each remote control operated pool pod is big enough to contain one of the water wheelchairs that are available to the public. The door opens, people enter, and the pod drops down into the water. Um, The accessibility features at Canfor start before customers even enter the building. Out front are four wheelchair accessible parking spots. There are automatic doors at the entrance and no stairs or steep ramps to contend with. And inside, coloured strips on the floor help guide partially sighted people to the change room area which includes a universal room with 16 private change spaces and three for people with disabilities the barrier free change rooms each have a motorized bed that can be lowered to the floor a track system to hoist people onto the bed and showers with fold-up seats even the hot tub dave is fully accessible oh yeah it's great. It has different water depths, enabling one to wheel with a water wheelchair right into
0: the hot tub. I'm on Expedia right now, booking my trip to Prince George for uh, for a nice pool day there at the community center. Uh, Sylvie, <laughs> as you mentioned, this is something that's been identified by the community, a need for a long time. What's the early reaction?
10: Yes. So a Prince George resident and advocate for people with disabilities said as a person who deals with chronic pain and mobility mobility issues, he's very excited about using the new pool. He loves water, saying the ability to just float, that freedom in the water, it just makes you feel so good. Uh, the advocate added that with proper equipment and trained staff, a person with a disability who comes to the pool may just need a little extra help, which is super important in making making that person feel like they're part of Prince George and the community. They've been just um, really, truly thought of. And um, that way, the community with disabilities can enjoy the facility as much as everybody else. And the aspect of inclusion is just really, truly highlighted in this new pool.
0: Sylvie, let's move on from this community story to a broader government story. And people should bear with us on this one because there's some double negatives that can get a little confusing. So, BC's newly appointed premier, David Eby, has announced the government's plan to eliminate individual funding for children diagnosed with autism in the province has now been scrapped.
2: The best way for us to move
0: forward for kids in the province is to ensure that those families that have services that are working for them are not stressed, are not anxious about what the future looks like, that we're all focused together on delivering for kids across the province. So Sylvia, again, this can get a little bit complicated. There's double negatives in the way that this has been presented. But let's start with the initial policy idea. Why did BC's Minister for Children initially decide to phase out individual autism funding for children in BC?
10: Yes. So, Dave, double negatives all around with this one. So in October 2021, Mitzi Dean, Minister for Children and Families, stated that the government would be phasing out individualized funding for children with autism in B.C. by 2025. Dean announced then that children with autism would still get services through a new hub model, which would be very inclusive for children with various conditions, not just autism. For families with children who have autism in BC, the individualized funding model means that, for example, children between the ages of 6 to 18 years old would receive A maximum of $6,000 per year for each child that has autism in a family. The funding could be used for behavior consultants or analysts, speech language pathologists, occupational therapists or physical therapists, as well as for out-of-school support life skills programs and behavior interventionists.
0: So, Why did the government, specifically the new premier, David Eby, who's literally been in power for less than a month, why did he decide to revisit this policy change?
10: Yeah, Eby said the decision to maintain individualized funding instead of phasing it out in 2025 came after recent meetings with parents, caregivers, Indigenous groups, child rights organizations and experts. Eby stated it's hope is or his hope is that we have a reset where parents are reassured that they'll get the services for their kids that they need regardless of that child's diagnosis and those parents that have systems in place that are working for families that are working for their kids will be able to continue with those programs.
0: So what's the response of some of the parents here? So we've, we've only got about 90 seconds. And I just, before you answer this, I just want to specify that when it comes to individualized autism pro- programming, it can, and funding can actually be a little controversial in Ontario. They tried to phase it in and parents objected in BC. They tried to phase it out and parents object. There's no necessarily unanimity here, but what's been the response from some of the folks who fought to keep this individualized funding?
10: Yes. So, Dave, over the past year, there have been countless numbers of parents who receive individualized funding, very vocal advocating for their kids to continue receiving this funding. Um, It's not a cure for sure, not a silver bullet, but it increases in a non-trivial way the likelihood these children will have a better life. So many parents over the last 20 years have used the funding to buy one-to-one therapy for their children, which significantly uh, mitigates the symptoms of ASD. And uh, it just really increases the these children's chance and opportunity to live life with dignity. And so it is something that we've heard about often. We've reported on the show mm-hmm. that uh, people are very vocal about this. So it is a, it's one of those things where, you know, a hub model sounds great until you go to further services and there isn't someone specialized in that hub mm-hmm. to provide them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Sylvie, thank you for bringing us this update. It's a really important story. Thank you for being on top of that one for us. All the best to you, and I hope you find a very warm sweater uh, for this afternoon <laughs> and this evening.
10: Turtleneck, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm dialed into the cold, Dave. Have a oh great day. Thanks Oh, my gosh.
0: That's Sylvie Fiquette's content development specialist for AMI. That's all I tell me about for today. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then.